Blog Talk Radio. show with Dr. Umar. If you guys missed last week, you missed something very, very, very special. Uh, Dr. Umar graced us with his, with his presence, and we had an awesome show. However, tonight he is available, but we're having a little uh, technical difficulties connecting with him. Now, what I'm about to do is connect, try to connect with him live while we're on the air. We typically do this before, but we had some glitches um, once again, sorry to the 70 people who could not get in to ask the questions that they needed to ask on last week. But uh, Dr. Umar will be in tonight, and we are going to try to uh, get him in. Just bear with us. We are actually going to call him live on air. I don't like to call guests live on air for the simple fact that a lot of times it's like, you know, it's just it's just funny for me. But, however, we're going to give him a call. Give us one second. Remember, the the number to call in tonight for you guys is area code 215-383-3969. Again, that is 215-383-3969. And remember, if you have a question for Dr. Umar, whatever it may be, call in. Press the number one. Once you press the number one, it will put you in queue to speak to Dr. Umar and we'll take it from there. But at this moment and at this time, I'm going to try to call it Dr. Umar. Give me one second. Here we go. I feel like I'm on one of those radio stations where it's just, you know. Hello? Dr. Yes, Umar? Sir, Dr. Yes, sir. Okay. We didn't get to do the show how we typically do in the beginning. However, everybody's already on. We had a little glitch in the system, but you're on the air live right now as we speak. Can you can you hear me? Can you hear me clearly? Yes, I can. We had such a wonderful show uh, last week that um, it was almost a mutiny here. People was like, Robert, I didn't know that you were doing the show, you know. And it's like, we want to talk to him. I said, and Valerie called me and said, we need to do another show, and I am excited about tonight. Um, my first question to you off top, before we even get into anything, is you can, you can address this later. President Obama, I don't know whether he heard our show or not, but he was the first president within one day to pardon so many prisoners, and from what I read, war minorities. Now, before you answer that, go ahead and introduce to the audience exactly who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Yes, sir. I'm a doctor of clinical psychology. I do clinical work in terms of evaluating, diagnosing, and treating mental disorders. My expertise is in school psychology. I'm a certified school psychologist, 
which I've been for almost 20 years now. I evaluate children for special education, eligibility, uh, learning disabilities, autism, emotional disturbance, speech and language, deaf blindness, developmental delays, brain injuries, orthopedic impairments, and, of course, the also popular ADHD. And so the bulk of my political work is in educating and empowering black parents so that they can be more effective at advocating for their children. Uh, too many black parents are allowing their kids to be put in special ed. Too many black parents are allowing their sons to be diagnosed with so-called ADHD, and too many of them are allowing the very dangerous psychiatric medicines to be prescribed to their children. I'm author of the book, Psychoacademic Holocaust, The Special Education and ADHD War Against Black Boys, and I'm currently raising money and searching for a school property because on August the 21st, 2018, that will be a historic day because it will be the first day of school for the boys at the Frederick Douglass and Marcus Garvey RBG International Leadership Academy for Pan-African Excellence. Thank you very much, Dr. Umar. And we're going we're gonna to address both of those, uh, both the schools and what you're raising money for uh, in a second. But just for me, I know I'm going to go to the phone lines and ask questions. But before I do that, I have my own question. How do you feel about President Obama parting so many people more than any other president um, ever in one day. I'm not saying he heard our show, but let's say he did. Um, do you think this is a uh, an attempt to? And from what I understand, they were majority minority. Do you think this is a response to the black community or not? Well, President Barack Obama is very aware that the black community is aware that he really hasn't done anything for them. Um, and in compared to what he's done for homosexuals, immigrants, and white women, you could basically say he's done nothing for black people. Not a single piece of legislation was passed during Obama's eight-year in office that specifically targeted African Americans, although three pieces of federal legislation was passed that was specific to homosexuals. We had the Equal Pay Act for women. We had landmark immigration law for the Mexican and Latinos, but there was no legislation that was specific to African Americans. As far as the pardoning goes, um, the question becomes, are we content with Band-Aids or do we want solutions? I don't care if President Obama let a million black men out of jail, and he obviously did not. That ultimately means nothing because the same men you let out of jail will be right back in jail in the following year because black men have a 97% prison recidivism rate because there's no meaningful and effective program that seeks to empower our brothers with jobs once they get out. So most of them have to commit crime and they end right back up there. If he wanted to do something significant, if he was, if he was trying to be sincere, then you should have signed an executive order that changed some of the law. You should have signed an executive order that created programs to help brothers after they get out of jail. But to simply pardon people but do nothing about the injustice of the criminal justice system itself, to not bring about a systemic change, to not bring about a systemic change, in my opinion, that was nothing more than the Band-Aid that he put in place so that he could try to save his reputation amongst black folks, but I'm not. That does nothing for me. I'm not content with that. It's too little, too late. You should have done something systemic. If you teach a man to fish, he fished for his life. But if you give him a fish, he only eat for a day. Letting a few black men out of prison while you do nothing to change the prison laws, ultimately to me, is not progress. 
and, and you know, and that's a great explanation. The reason why I asked the question, I had someone um, who put me to the side, and they was, and I, I'm going to tell you the exact words. They said, Robert, I heard you was uh, interviewing uh, the Dr. Umar guy. And, and I said, oh, what, what, what does that mean? Obviously, it's a good thing because you know who he is. And it was like, well, what? Do you, how do you feel about the Obama thing? And, and and they said, well, I didn't call into the show last week. However, I listened, and I wasn't happy about the uh, the Obama side of it. And I don't want to waste our entire thirty minutes talking about the Obama side. But Dr. Umar, there are a lot of black people who really want a deeper explanation. Now you said the illusion of inclusion. I feel you. As 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 a host, I get that. I personally feel that. Um, I I personally feel like, and I'm going to step on a limb and say I, I I don't think that Obama did as much as he could have done for the black community. I I really don't. But most of us are misinformed. Now, for those misinformed people who just can't get past you saying, "Well, Dr. Umar, he was a black president. Yeah, he he, he didn't do this." But could he really – what do you have to say to those people that say he was a black man, let's just support him because he's black, and black is all we have? Well, the good reverend, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who's a hero of mine, and compared to which Obama's scale is significantly smaller in comparison in terms of what he's done for black people. Dr. King said injustice is injustice no matter what color commits it. Injustice is injustice mm-hmm. no matter what color commits it. Let's look at this another way. If Obama was a white president when Trayvon Martin got murdered, if he was a white president, Freddie Gray, Sandra Bland, Alton Sterling, Philando Castile, if he was a white president with the type of schools that we have, if he was a white president with the type of unemployment and mass incarceration numbers, mind you, our numbers under Obama are worse than they were under both of the past two Republican presidents, George Bush and his father. If he were white do you not think the reaction from black people would have been significantly different? We would have went crazy if a white president would have told us that he is not going to order a Justice Department investigation into the systematic killings of defenseless, unarmed black people by white police. We would have lost our minds if the president did not show up to at least one of the murders of black children that took place in in this country. We would have lost our minds. If Obama was white, black folks would have went crazy, but because he was black, we allowed him and racism to do whatever it wanted to do for black folks. We sat still for eight years, allowed a president to completely ignore us, and now that the president is white again, you really think that they have to be accountable to black people after you just let someone who looks just like you, ignore you for eight years, and take care of every other minority group in America? What we did, we set a precedent that allows any president after Obama to ignore black folks. Why? Because if one president don't have to do anything for you, then no president has to do anything for you. Well, let me ask you this, and this is uh, this isn't even a, this is not a phone line question. This is my question. Um, what must we do? And side note, I want to thank everybody for listening um, all the way from Canada. I see you guys here on the line. I see Atlanta once again. Atlanta is, is a huge, strong supporter uh, wherever you go. Uh, thank you, Jacksonville, for being online. 
And remember to call in. The number is 215-383-3969. Again, that is 215-383-3969. And if you would like to do if you would like to speak to Dr. Umar, press number 1. And if we have time, we will definitely uh, make sure that it's possible. But, uh, Dr. Umar, my question, this is my question. What must we do about the miseducated, if anything, that we can do? And after this, after you answer, I'm going to take a, a, a call. But what can we do with the miseducated in America as far as you see it? Well, first of all, in terms of the miseducation of our children, we have to build schools for ourselves. In terms of the miseducation of the adults, you can only educate those who are willing to learn. Many black people are hypnotized uh, by the illusion of inclusion. Many black people are addicted to integration. Most adult Africans are totally useless as it relates to what we need to do to change our paradigm. Most of us are content with being the underdogs. We are with having a Mercedes Benz and a nice car with no political and economic power. We are content knowing we can walk into any store, buy anything we want, but come outside that store, be murdered by the police, and that police will not even be held accountable for that murder. We are comfortable. Uh, slavery has made black people very comfortable having no authority or power over the direction of our lives. We're content. No other people could be as content as we are living in a reality where you exert no control over the decisions that are made about you. So first we have to find the ones that care, and the ones that do care, they can be politically educated. Here's the thing that your listeners need to understand as far as my message Mm -hmm. is concerned. And shout-out to Atlanta. I'll be speaking there on New Year's Day for Kwanzaa. And shout-out to Jacksonville, Florida. I'll be speaking there on Wednesday, December the 28th for Kwanzaa. But what I want them to understand is that solving our problems is not a difficult problem. That's not the obstacle. Solving black problems is very simple and straightforward. Our difficulty is in gathering and mustering enough African-Americans who are willing to engage in a sustained, protracted movement for liberation. If you look, my brother, historically, most of our serious movements, they were sustained and they were protracted of the, the the abolitionist movement to end slavery, the Marcus Garvey movement for Pan-African independence and self-reliance. You look at Dr. King's movement for the Civil Rights Bill and the Voting Rights Act. It took years to bring these things into fruition. It took decades to bring these things into fruition. And what do you see now? One-day revolutions all across the black community. We're going to occupy this for one day. We're going to go march with Minister Farrakhan, Million Man March, for one day. A lot of blacks are getting ready to march with Reverend Al Sharpton January 14th on the White House for one day. What do you know has ever changed in one day? Wow. You, very, very valid points. I'm going to go to the first uh, phone call we're going to take. The phone calls are lining up. Go ahead, caller. What's your name and where are you from? You are live with Dr. Umar and Real Talk Robert Simmons. How are you? Hello? Yeah, uh, you're Hello? live with Dr. Umar and Robert Simmons. Can you hear us? Uh, oh. Yeah, can you hear me? We can hear you. We can hear you. Yes. Now. Okay. Um, the problem, I think, with the bl- a black community and that we failed, the, our biggest, I think you made a valid point about inclusion. Our biggest problem with our educational system when we desegregated ourselves. When we desegregated ourselves, we depended on 
typically European education to mold the young black mind. And when we wanted inclusion into the schools, what happened was we had our black children who have potential being basically conditioned and being taught by Caucasians that really didn't care about their well-being. We have to come here and educate our youth, but we have to find a way to have elementary schools that are specifically designed for our kind so that we can educate them at a younger age. The problem is that we try to fix them when it's already too late. We got to get them when they're young. And so we de-brainwash them from the beginning so that they know that they there's power behind their vote. They're 18, 20, 19, even in middle school, they're already socialized by the media and by the educational system that has been created to really marginalize them and make them think that they're second-class citizens. That's really what we need to really focus on is that. I mean, we look at this election right now. We sat here and talked about that Black Lives Matter, but we didn't come out here and vote. How can we sit here and say that we're going to affect political policy in this country and not be able to vote? That, they, they fear the vote, bro. And that's really Let me ask you something, brother. I mean, you, you sound very, very passionate. And, um, and, and I, I do feel where you're from. Uh, what, uh, where you're coming from. Where, where, where are you from and what's, what's, what's your actual uh, question for doc, Dr. Umar? I, I dig what you're saying. I dig what you're I saying. feel as though I, I feel as though we, we we need like we that is the root of the problem is being able to catch because we the question is how do we educate the young black youth and be able to get to them and have African education African influences in the educational system. See, I I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, but I went to the University of Maryland College of Park to pursue my degree. What I noticed that in Brooklyn, where it was a higher percentage of African Americans, February was allotted. We didn't even learn about Martin Luther King Jr. We learned about Ferguson. We learned about Charles Witcher Jew. We learned about the first African American that completed the first um, heart tra- uh, heart surgery. We learned about that. But once you leave certain areas and certain areas in this country, they don't understand their history. So how can you come out here and fight for something or respect something if you don't even have a history to fight for? This is what we have to do. We have to come together. Right, well, come well, th- well, thank you. Thank you, bro. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but, you know, we, we do have other calls on the line, and I'm, I'm going to give Dr. Right, so a chance to uh, I, you know, so I guess you know. Basically, I'm I'm going to assume uh, what what he was asking is the black educated. You know, once we like myself, we go to school, we go to college. You know, is it that we're being diverted on what really matters, or is there more? And I, I'll go ahead and let you answer that, Doctor Lamar. One of the purposes of education is to teach intangibles, intangibles like pride, intangibles like commitment, values, purpose. Education is supposed to emotionally tie you 
to that which you need to be doing. As long as mm-hmm. the education of black children is being handed out by middle-class racist white women, then the black children will come out racist amongst their own people. To be taught by a racist is to become a racist yourself. There is no way we're going to change our paradigm by continuing to allow our children to be educated by middle-class racist white women who constitute 93% of America's teaching force. So what makes it so ridiculous from a solutions-based perspective is we spend $600 million every year on McDonald's, $2 billion on athletic footwear, $4 billion on alcohol, $9 billion on weed and perm. With that type of money, all we have to do, my brother, is sacrifice our Christmas money. Right now, what are black people doing all across America? We are hemorrhaging, literally hemorrhaging billions of dollars on useless gifts, nonsense, and materialistic junk, most of which our children won't even want to be bothered with two weeks after Christmas. If we would just sacrifice our Christmas money, we could change the entire trajectory of the black community in 48 hours. Wow, wow. Well, Dr. Umar, I'm, I'm going to go um, to our next call before I have a mutiny on my hand. Um, and big shout-out to our Memphis, Tennessee. Thank you, guys. I was there this weekend. Good to see you guys. Uh, on board. Good to see you guys in Phoenix, Arizona. Love you. We'll be out there uh, really soon. But uh, right now, we're going to go ahead and take our next call. Let me go ahead and do this. Go ahead, caller. What's your name and where you from? You are on the air with Real Talk Robert and Dr. Umar. Go ahead. Hello? Hello? Um, Hello? you're, you're, um, You're here. Go ahead and speak. Can can you can you hear me? Uh we can hear you yes. loud and clear. Okay. Uh, I want to ask a question directed to Dr. Johnson. And first of all, Dr. Johnson, let me say how proud I am with respect to your eloquence, your sense of history, your passion and your articulation of and the priorities of the black. But uh, I may with with due respect, I think you are too harsh with President Obama and an oversimplification about movement in a day. Uh, A woman chooses not to go to the back of a bus, but to stay up front. That was just a moment, and it was a moment in time. And so uh, all our deeds don't have to be massive. Sometimes it's just a small step in the right direction that creates the rolling snow that just rolls and rolls and gets bigger. My question to you, sir, and thanks for your tolerance to listen to to my statement. My question to you, as we are in what is considered an impoverished environment politically, economically, uh, in so many aspects, uh, my question to you is which, which of these elements that you think is the most important and pleased to include our spirituality? That's a very good question. Um, I would say because our culture and because humanity itself, regardless of race and culture, is so complex, I don't think you can actually prioritize the different aspects of the black reality that should be attacked first. I think they all have to be attacked with the same degree of commitment and equanimity. I believe that the economics is tied to the education, which is tied to black family, which is tied to black church, which is tied to 
of black community cohesion and development, which is tied to how we raise our children, which is tied to post-traumatic slavery disease, which is tied to our mental health and and emotional well-being, which is tied to our spending habits. It's really a spider's web. And just like with a spider's web, you can't really pay attention to one part of it. Anything you do in one part automatically reverberates across the entire web. So because our problems are multimodal, the solutions themselves must also be complex and multimodal. We have to attack all those things. That, But if we had to narrow it down to three for the sake of time, resources, and expediency, the three top issues that must be dealt with is political organization, economic empowerment, and educational liberation. The money, the political power, and the education of the next generation. That means we need to start building black banks. That means we need, we need to start building independent black schools. And that means we need to start building independent black political unions, not parties. We don't need parties. What we need is independent black power that can control the person in office regardless as to whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. Very, very well stated, sir. And I, and, and, and I endorse heartily, and I endorse what you're saying, but it has been my thinking, my reality, that a puddle wants to be a stream, the stream wants to be the river, the river wants to be the sea, the sea wants to be the ocean, the ocean wants to be the Pacific. And so there are steps in a particular direction where you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And so to be so multifaceted that you're going after the economy, you're going after the social, you're going after this, you're going after that. And yet I don't hear a, a passion for the spirituality, which I would to me say, is the most. I agree with you. Spirituality is critical. Me personally, I was raised Muslim and Christian, and I still respect both of those religions. But in my adult years, I have began to study African and practice African spirituality more so than any world religion. I, my specific spiritual system is that of Ifa, which comes from the Yoruba of Nigeria. That's the system that I'm most comfortable with. That's the one that I use. The problem with spirituality, not with spirituality per se, but in bringing spirituality to black folks, I don't know if that's the place to start because our people have been so brainwashed and conditioned by the major religions that they are taught to shun anyone who speaks against them or who brings an alternative system of soul development. With that being said, I think spirituality might be the cherry on top from a strategic standpoint. You and I know how important it is, but dealing with the mindset of our people, we got to meet them where they are. And coming at them with the spiritual piece, I think we're going to lose them because they are trained very well to shun anyone who has not accepted Jesus. They are trained very well to shun anyone who has not taken their shahadah and accepted Muhammad ibn Abdullah as the last prophet. So I agree with you. Spirituality is key, but I don't think we introduced that in the beginning. In the beginning, we have to deal with the basic needs of the community. That is food, clothing, shelter, security, education, and then we move to the spirituality. Well, thank you very, very, thank you very much for your call. Um, Dr. Umar, from myself to you, um, I want to thank you uh, so much for uh, being a part of the show. I believe that the event on December 28th will be very, very successful due to the, um, the <laughs> I don't want to say backlash, due to how many people that are engaged. So my last question to you before we go out, because we have to leave out, so we have a minute and 50 seconds. I've had so many people contact me, and they say, well, you know, 
I love Dr. Umar so, 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 so much. Will he have a revelation when he comes here? No, I don't think you're Muhammad or Jesus or anything like that. But I do believe that the people are hungry, as Les Brown likes to say. The, the people are hungry, and I do believe that there is an awakening in America for black people to do what is needed to be done in our culture. Do you have a res- response to that? If you can make it quick, I agree with awesome, you. and then we'll close out. Yes, sir. I, I absolutely agree with you. And we need everyone who's listening to the show tonight to be a part of that awakening. And I myself, I take responsibility for being part of the leadership of that awakening. And I hope to see everyone out in Jacksonville, Florida, next Wednesday, the 28th at 6 o'clock. And if anyone, if anyone needs to reach me, they can do so at my website, drumarjohnson.com, where they can call me at 215-989-9858-989-9858, and they can get tickets for the event at princeofpanafricanism.eventbrite.com. Uh, and Dr. Umar, Dr. Umar, we are doing this. Uh, we're going to push it. And thank you guys for thank you guys for tuning in to the basically aftermath of last week. Those of you who were listening online, the show did cut off on the last caller. And those of you who were online, you heard the entire episode. If you want to hear the entire thing, make sure you go to www.realtalkrobert.com and you can hear the entire episode. Thank you, thank you, Dr. Umar. Appreciate you very, very much. The real talk, the real talk with Mr. Robert. The real talk, the real talk with Mr. Robert. The real talk, the real talk with Mr. Robert. The real talk, the real talk with Mr. Robert. The real talk, the real talk with Mr. Robert. Robert.